the Bible says unto you shall be the gathering of your people your sons and your daughters will gather this morning by no other name but the name of Jesus and father we pray oh God anyone that is looking up to you for healing let your healing flow for anyone that is looking up to you for your blessings let your blessings flow for anyone that is looking up to you for deliverance let your deliverance flow in the name of Jesus open doors oh God bring restoration let your power move in this house in Jesus mighty name we'll pray with thanksgiving amen today I'm joining the uh, entire United Kingdom on a remembrance Sunday um, God has given us a word this morning which is a call to divine remembrance hallelujah a call to divine remembrance and I will be uh, reading a, a couple of scriptures as we uh, delve into the into the word of the Lord uh, but the main uh, passage I'll be reading if you can read on the screen or if you have your Bible with you is from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8 uh, from verse uh, 10 to 18 uh, and this is really the word of the Lord um, admonishing us this morning that uh, when you have eaten and you are satisfied praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given to you be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands his laws and his decree that I am giving you this day otherwise when you eat and are satisfied when you build fine houses and settle down and when your heads and your flocks grow large and your silver and your gold increase and all you have is multiplied verse 4 then you are proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery he led you through the vast and dreadful weeds that tasty and waterless land with his venomous snakes and scorpions he brought you water out of hard rock he gave you manna to eat in the wilderness something your ancestors had never known to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you and the verse 17 you may say to yourself my power and the strength of my hands have produced this world for me verse 18 said but remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirm his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Amen. And as we look at the theme of the uh, entire Deuteronomy chapter 8, it's God telling his people, first of all, remember where you're coming from. Remember how I have been faithful in the past. And even in your new reality, don't forget. Hallelujah. Always remember. And... Um, I love kids and my children they are wonderful uh, but something about kids is that they they like crafts I don't know if I'm alone alone I mean Christmas is coming and once the Christmas gifts are here it's more of games toys and that is good and as an adult you want to engage you want to be part of what the children are doing and there are lots of games we buy in the house there are lots of puzzles I want this get delivered you look at the box and you can see these wonderful images and then you open the box and all you see is bits and pieces 
Amen. And you're asking yourself, how do, they, how do they all fit together? Some are red, some are squared. You see a trapezium shape, all mixed up. And you're wondering, how does this assortment of parts and components, how do they fit up to become a truck or a fire station or a railway line? But somehow in the box, in the manual, the manufacturer is already saying, there is a way you can blend these old components together that it transforms from this into that. Hallelujah. And at times in our life, it's like that board game, like a Lego, for example. We may not understand, we may not know. There may be so many things happening around us that at times we ask ourselves, how does this all fit in into the plan of God? How does this all align? Oh, there is a problem there. There is a confusion there. There is a phone call there. There is an anxiety there. Oh, there is, we have to think about the weather. We have to think about the economy. We have to think about, oh, even the pandemic. How does our yesterday and everything that is happening around us, how do they all fit in to what God is doing today? And Romans chapter 8 verse 21, 28 is a scripture that we read so much. As a matter of fact, at times it can become a cliche. Somebody's going through stuff and you say, oh, we know that all things work together for good. But all things working together for good does not mean that we're not going to go through these tough times. All things work together for good doesn't mean that they're not going to be summer or winter. There may be a time where we have to face some headache. There may be a time where we have to go through some pains and some hurts. But what that scripture is saying is that even in the midst of those challenges, in the midst of those confusions, in the midst of that present reality, when it looks as if the entire world is on its head, God is still working everything together for your good. Hallelujah. God is still working even though we may not see it. Even though like this game or this puzzle, we may not see how it all pans out. We may not see how it all aligns together. Why am I so faithful? Yes. Yet, there's still so much pain. Why am I committed to the work of God? Yet, there's still so much confusion. And God is saying, I am working everything together for your good. Hallelujah. And the key word from this is that, Despite your present reality, trust the process. Hallelujah. Trust what God is doing. Because at the end, it will all align together for your good and my good. It will all align together for the greater good of the kingdom of God. It will all align together for your best. You may seem, think you've seen good. You may think you've seen better. But God is saying there is a best year to come. There is a better best that is here to come. Trust me. And even as we reflect back on this passage, that is a point that God was passing across to the children of Israel. Don't get too comfortable because there is a next level that I want to take you. You may not see it. You may feel that, oh, this land that is flowing with, with milk and honey. Oh, everything looks fantastic. Now, finally, we are out of Egypt. We can build houses. We can enjoy. We are no more in slavery. But God is saying, even in freedom, 
there is a better freedom. Hallelujah. Even in joy, there is a better level and there are higher levels of joy. Trust the process. And as pastor was saying last Sunday, the God that you and I serve is a God that remembers. And when we look at scriptures, we can see evidence of that in operations. God never forgets. As a matter of fact, when you read Isaiah 49, from verse 14 to 16, God was speaking. He said, but Zion, talking about Jerusalem, said, the Lord has abandoned us. Our God has forgotten us. But God is saying that is not true. He said, can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? He said, even humans may forget. He said, but I will not forget you. Hallelujah. Why? Because indeed I have inscribed you. In other words, I have photoshopped. I have imprinted you on the palm of my hands. Your city walls are continually before me. God knows us true and true. And we are always at the heart, at the top priority of what God is doing. Even though situations may look otherwise, but God always remembers us. He knows where we are. He knows our present state. He knows our story inside out. There are fine details and minute details about our story that we don't know. Like these little puzzles. We may not know how they all fit together. These little bricks. We may not know how they align together. But God is the master maker. He made you and I. He made our destiny. And like a movie we are watching in the cinema with anticipation of how this is going to end. God already know the end from the beginning. Hallelujah. He remembers us. And when you read uh, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10. Say for God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love. Which you have showed towards his name. In that you have ministered to the saints. And like pastor was saying yesterday. Does that conflict the fact that says, oh, if God remembers, what about my sins? Does it mean God remembers my sins as well? And the word of God says, your sin, he remembers no more. Hallelujah. But is that a contradiction? Is that a conflict of words? No. The truth is, even God remembers your sin, but because of his just nature, he does not remember and will never use those sins against you. Thanks to the price that Christ paid on the, on the cross of Calvary. That's why it is called grace. We get what we don't deserve. And we do not get the things that we deserve. He does remember. So please as you go about, remember the omnipotent, the omniscience, the all-present nature of God. That is all powerful, is all knowing, is ever present. And you will say, Oh, hang on a second, I've heard that before. But that is the truth. Hallelujah. When you read Psalm 139, the entire chapter, you see this omnipresence, the omnipovalence of God. The psalmist was saying, He said, God, you know me, you search me from the rising to the falling. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun, God knows me. He said, where can I hide? There is nowhere we can hide. And in reality, 
there is nowhere that our present situations, there is nowhere that any problem or any trial can hide from God. Because God sees all things, He knows all things, and is able, He has the potential and the capacity to deliver us and free us from all things. He has the power to bless us beyond our comprehension. The question then is, what does it mean to remember? We've seen and we've been able to establish that God remembers. But this morning or this afternoon, God is saying, now that you know that I remember, I want you to remember. A call to remembrance. But what is God asking us to do? What is God actually saying when he says you should remember? When you look at the literal meaning of remember from the dictionary, it means to recall, to call back to mind, using effort of memory, to think back again, to retain in memory, to be aware of, to bear, to keep in mind, to consider. Some translations of dictionaries will say it means to memorize, to commit to memory. And the truth is, right from time immemorial, the test of memory has always been prevalent. Track back to Genesis chapter 3, when the devil asked Eve, did God really say? That was a test of memory. It's a test of Eve, are you able to remember divine remembrance of what God actually said? And the truth is, as we go about our life every day, did God really say? Is a question that comes to mind every second. Hallelujah. You're going through a problem, you're applying for that job interview. Did God really say that you'll get that job? Did God really say that you'll be healed? Did God really say that you can live a righteous life? Did God really say that you are special? Did God really say that you are you? It's a question of, do we really know who we are? Can we remember who God said that we are? If you are able to turn to your neighbor, can you ask your neighbor, did God really say? And what's your answer? Hallelujah. So next time that problem comes and the devil is telling you, did God really say that he's a deliverer? Did God really say that he is the impossibility specialist? Did God really say that all things are working together for good? What should be your answer? I mean, that be your reality in Jesus' name. But beyond just remembering, the subject today is about divine remembrance. It's not just returning to memory. But what do we do when those when we retain those elements, those substance to memory? You see, it's a very tricky slope when you call things from memory. Hallelujah. It's a very tricky slope when you try to remember the past. Because for some of us, we would rather not think about the past. Because the images of the past, they are so ugly. The pains of yesterday. In trying to recall from memory what happened yesterday, there is a danger, like someone will always say, of opening up old wounds. I don't know about you, but there are things in my past I don't want to think about. Am I alone? Hallelujah. So this is not just about recalling things from memory. This is not just about just considering stuff. There is divine nature to remembrance. 
the divine remembrance I'm talking about is that we acknowledge the past. But in acknowledging the past, it should not be detrimental to our present and our future. Is God giving us that ability to remember how we have dealt with in the past? How we have been faithful in the past? And in remembering the hand of God in our past, that is able to serve as an inspiration for our present life, our present actions, our present decisions. And that in turn should give us the momentum, what I call the life-giving momentum, to face the future. Hallelujah. That's why somebody like David can see Goliath and say, the God that delivered me from the lion and the bear, his past, is able to deliver me from your hands. That is the remembrance we're talking about. When that difficulty comes, when cancer comes, when coronavirus, COVID-19 comes, you are able to say, the God that delivered me from that headache in 2019 is able to deliver me. That is the remembrance I'm talking about. Using, remembering God's faithfulness in yesterday to inspire your present reality and gives you that extraordinary momentum to push forward despite the challenges, despite the difficulties. And as a matter of fact, John 14 verse 26, the Bible says God has given the Holy Spirit, he will bring to remembrance all things. He will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit is there to help us to remember that if God did not tell lies yesterday, he will not lie to you today. If God was faithful yesterday, he is still faithful today. No wonder he's called, he said, he's the same yesterday, the past. He's the same today, he's the same forever. Hallelujah. I often tell the story, when I came here at 12 Odd years ago, I came with nothing. Nothing. Zero. But God was faithful then. You see, the more successful you are, or the higher you go in life, the challenges you face ramp up. Hallelujah. When I came some years ago, I mean, her strength there was about what? 200 pounds you get, you get her strength. And that has its own demons then, in terms of challenges. Now that, by the grace of God, I have the job that I have, I have my family, the demons that I face are different from 12 years ago. They're basically ramped up. I don't know if I'm alone. But, no matter how big the demons may be, the God that delivered me 12 years ago, that gave me the right wisdom to navigate that problem 12 years ago, is able to do it for me today and do it tomorrow. That is the remembrance we're talking about. Because the problem will always be there. In the place of work, oh, somebody will always be bossy. Somebody will always be annoying. Hallelujah. He said, oh, he works at the university, he's in a perfect place. But that is not true, because even at that level, he has his own demons. Hallelujah. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. You know, there is, um, I remember my uh, late grandmother, um, she always gave this adage. She said, those who forget the past are in danger of repeating it. And that is deep. Really, really deep. And this call to remembrance, I like this quote from, from this brother. He says, 
the Bible never ignores past mistakes, but it never dwells on them. And the overriding message is not one of regrets, for we can never change, but of challenge to face up to the possibility of what, with the help of God's help, we can yet become, we can yet do. I read that again. Inscribe that in your diary. The Bible never ignores past mistake. But there is one thing the Bible never do, and it never admonishes us to do. It never dwells on them. And the overriding message is not one of regrets for what we can never change, but of challenge to face up to the possibility of what, with God's help, we can yet become, we can yet do. Divine remembrance of yesterday should not be one of regret. There is a danger of thinking about yesterday and what we want to do is to do the blame factor. Oh, I wish I was born in a different family. It was a, the, the, the mistakes of my parents. Oh, it was my own mistake and become that sort of self-pity. No, it's not the essence of divine remembrance. Acknowledge what has happened yesterday, but it should be a momentum that if I'm able to be in that state yesterday, then with the help of God, I can yet become better. You know, somebody put it even in, in, in better. He says that we have the Holy Spirit in us. We have an advantage. The Holy Spirit in us gives us an advantage. Hallelujah. And as a matter of fact, people will say, oh, I think I am stuck. I am stuck because I started in Africa, I don't want to mention a name. I started somewhere. That is why I'm stuck. Oh, because I came from nationality or I'm of this skin color. I've heard people say, I wish I was real. My reality would have been. But hear the word of God today. You are stuck not because of where you started. You are stuck before because of where you stopped. Keep moving. Keep moving. You are stuck not because you started from X, Y, Z. You are stuck because you decided to stop in that bus stop. Take a step. Key on the word of the Lord. They said it is impossible. Who said it? On that anchor. They said no woman can be the manager of that company. Says who? Who said it? You are stuck because you've decided to stop yourself. You decided to stop somewhere based on human input, based on human excesses, based on excuses. Get that momentum from what God has done yesterday and move on. Tell your neighbor, move on. God wants us to remember. And he wants us to remember him and what he has done in the past in some key areas. One, he wants you and I to remember his faithfulness from yesteryear. Exodus chapter 34 verse 6 will say, The Lord, the Lord, your God, the compassionate and great God, he is slow to anger, he always abides in love and faithfulness. Psalm 100 verse 5, he says his faithfulness continues through all generations. Psalm 117 verse 2, he said the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. What do I mean when I say God wants us to remember his faithfulness? What is God's faithfulness? 
When we say God is faithful, it means that God is always true to his name. As a matter of fact, whenever God is doing anything, anything that God does, he always puts his reputation at stake. And God always honors his name. So when God said, I am faithful, he's saying that I am true to my name. So for example, last Sunday, pastor was talking about um, the, the lady, Haggai. And for her, God is the one that sees. That is God's name. And God is true to that because he always sees you. He always sees you and I. He said to Moses, I am that I am is my name. That is the name of the Lord. And we all know his name. He's always true to that name. When he said, I am Jehovah Rapha, he's true to his name. I am Jehovah Nisi, he's true to that name. So you can trust his name. You can trust that if God is Jehovah Rapha, then he will come as Rapha to your situation. What is God's name to you? Perhaps God's name is the one that gave you that stellar job. Perhaps God's name is the one that gave you first class in your degree. Perhaps God's name to you is the one that healed you. He's true to his name. God's faithfulness means that God is always true to his character. Deuteronomy 32 verse 4 says, he is a rock. His work are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. God is upright. He's just. He's steadfast. When God says he loves you, his nature of love is true. Even while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is true. For God so loved the world, that love is sincere. His character of love, you can, you can count on it. Finally, God is true to his word. If he said it, he would do it. You can count on him. Men promise and they fail, but God never fails. Every word of God is true. God always honors his word. But you're probably asking me this afternoon, hang on a second, of what implication is God being true to his name, his character, and his word? How does that affect me? The implication is that if God is true to his name, his character, and his words, it means that you can trust his purpose. Hallelujah. His purpose for your life can be trusted. Romans 8 verse 32 said, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously gives us all things? He said to Jeremiah, The thoughts and plans I have towards you, they are plans of good and not of evil. You can trust his plans. You can trust his purpose in life. You can trust that God will never mismanage your life. God will never mismanage your destiny. He will never allow you to wrong turn in life. You can trust God's purpose. For the implication is that you can trust his promises as well. Has he promised? Has he said it? Philippians 1 verse 6 said, being confident of this, that God who has started a good work in our life is able to bring it, bring it to completion. Every promise of God in your life is able to actualize. Is able to bring it to completion. And finally, you can trust his care. Hallelujah. God truly cares for you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, God is so caring to the level that even the number of the hairs in your head, he knows them. That is how detailed, how minute, how forensically inclined God is to your life and to your destiny. He sincerely cares for you. When you are in pain, he feels that pain. When you are in need, he feels that need. He sincerely cares. True and true. So you can trust his faithfulness. 
You know, I, I like um, 2 Timothy 2 verse 13. He said, even if we no longer trust him. Some translation said, even if we become faithless, he remains faithful. Because it is his nature to be faithful. Hallelujah. And he wants us to trust his goodness. You know, there is a wonderful story in the Bible, uh, Matthew 20. You can, you can read it in your spare time. Um, we're told that a, um, a lord has a vineyard or a manager or a factory owner owns his factory. And then on a given day, he went out, he hired some laborers. Let's say they started work 9 a.m. Uh, in the morning. He hired them. They agree on a, on, a, on, a, on a wage, on a salary for the day, and they started working. A couple of hours later, the same man went to the city and he saw some people that were jobless. He said, why are you jobless? Oh, nobody has hired us today. He took them in. And then he repeated the same pattern. Let's say they are meant to finish work by 5 p.m. At 4 p.m., he went out to the same town and saw some people that were jobless. So he went, why are you jobless? Oh, nobody to hire us. Come, come and work in my factory. So they started work at 5. One hour later, there was a bear. Bang, 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 like Amazon. It's time to close. Hallelujah. And then it's time for them to get paid. And just by human nature, they just form a line. Those who started work 9 a.m. by human inclination, they were first in the queue. And those who started hours be behind those people, they were next. And the people that started at 4 p.m., they were the people at the, at the last. But to their amazement, the man paid them equally. I mean, that's annoying. Come on, I started work at nine. I've been on the work. I've been under the sun. This brother, this sister came in one hour before and you gave him the same salary. How? And the verse 20, which is what I have on the slide, the, the master said, Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? It's a question, like my daughter would say, My own money. Or are you envious because I am generous? God can decide to bless anyone that he wants to bless. He does not owe excuse to anybody. He does not have to take a permission from the prime minister, from the queen, or from a lord, or from a president. No. He can choose to bless anybody. Whether you started work at 9 a.m., whether you are the one that sings in the altar, or you are the one that prays secretly. Whether your face is on YouTube and on Twitter, or nobody knows you. God can find you where you are and bless you. That is the goodness of God. The goodness of God can find you anywhere. Hallelujah. You may say, oh, I have not worked hard enough. I think I am not spiritual enough. I think I am not charismatic enough. You don't have to be all that. Because the goodness of God has only to do with your ability or what you did or didn't do. It is in the nature of God to be good. Psalm 145 verse 9 said, The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are all over His work. It is His nature to be good. Give thanks because God is good. First Chronicles 16 verse 34. Psalm 34 verse 8 said, Taste and see that the Lord is good. You can count on the goodness of God. Goodness personified. That is God. God is the original definition of goodness. He is good in and of Himself. Everything about God is good. You can count on that. So please, why you wallow in confusion? I know, I, I was just reading that story this morning. You see, even those that were complaining, they didn't know the whole story. That these people that God or the master was being good to, they were jobless. Hallelujah. They were jobless. 
But God knows the entire story. And he said, ah, these people, rather than they to be jobless and can't provide for their family, I'm going to be good to them. And I pray that the Lord will be good to us in Jesus' name. And God wants us to be remain by his goodness. As we bring this to a conclusion, God wants us to remember his creativity. Now, this is important. When I, when I, when this word came, as I was preparing, I was like, who? Creativity, who? 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 As an engineer, who? Creativity. You know, God wants us to be creative. And especially for those who are new to the UK, who, um, you're probably settling in the UK for the first time. Status quo. Trying to just do the normal. We put food on your table. But if you want to make art and accelerate and climb, you have to be creative. Hallelujah. That is deep. That is a word for somebody. God is a God of creativity. Think about it for a second. Look at the world. God was creative to say, let there be. It's not just let there be light everywhere. No. Let there be light. Let there be sea. Let there be sand. Let there be animals. Let there be beds. But not just beds. As in every bed. No, there are different varieties of beds. Let there be crops, not just crops. There are varieties of crops. Let there be humans, male and female. God is creative. Talk to your neighbor and say, avoid the status quo. Be creative. Be creative in your life. Be creative in your marriage. Be inventive. Don't just get stuck in the house. Go to the cinema, buy flowers, be romantic, do something fun. Come on, brothers. Come on, brothers. Hallelujah. Sisters, not just bread and tea, be creative. She's in the children's church. Hallelujah. Psalm 4, verse 24. He said, Oh Lord, what a variety of things you have made. Uh uh-uh. uh. In wisdom, you have made them all. The earth is full of your creations. And God is calling us to be creative. You know, someone said that creativity has been built in every one of us. Each of us live less of the life that God intended when we choose not to release the creative power that we possess. Creativity in you. Even was able to say in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16, he said we understand these things. Why? Because Christ is in us. God in you should give you an advantage. In that job, God in you, oh, you come and you want to do everything because it's in the script, it's scripted. Move from the script. Go on scripted. Be innovative, be creative. Oh, this is how we sing. Yeah? We stand still and we sing. But the world is moving. Can we be creative? Can we bring technology into it? Can we think wide? Be engaged. Get yourself involved with innovative discussions. Hallelujah. It's not like, oh, she said this and he said that, and he said this and he said that. That is in the yesterday. Move on. Because God wants you to be creative. And as a matter of fact, for those who follow the news, our brother Mike Zuckerberg has renamed his parent company Meta. Uh, when I saw the news, I was like, oops, I have to, I have to have a look. But this is real. The Meta universe. AI, artificial intelligence. But what are the spirit fields, spirit cocoa, Christians? What are we doing? Because concerts and seminars and things are being heard virtually as if it's a real world. People are making transactions in this virtual space. 
And if the church, I mean, we have a conversation, oh, there's Antichrist and that. Why you are wearing and there sitting with your Antichrist idea? The world is moving. The world is moving. But we have the Holy Spirit in us that gives us an advantage to be more creative than these people. What will evangelism look like if the entire world is in a virtual space? How do we evangelize? What we worship experience. So for church leaders who are even listening to me today, whether online, what are we doing? What are we doing? Enough of the church politics and the church bureaucracies and the rest. Let's be creative. And I pray God will help us in Jesus' name. Because of our time, the last thing that God wants us to remember, which I think we touched on in the Sunday school, God wants us to remember the heroes of faith. The heroes of faith. Perhaps you said, oh, there's nothing in my past I can remember. He said, Re then God said, remember those who have been there before. You know, there's a saying that if you want to go far, then stand on the shoulders of those who have seen it, who have done it. There are examples in the Bibles that we can call on. Hebrews 11 is full of this uh, hall of fame. Heroes of faith. He said, these brothers and sisters, by faith in God, they overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice. They received what God has promised them. They shut the mouth of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. These brothers, in their weakness, they saw strength. It's in the Bible. It's not my word. So while you are there, I am weak. I am weak, true and true. But we had people as an example despite being weak, that we are able to make maximum impact for God. I don't know how to wake up early. That is an excuse. But you can. Turn that weakness into strength. And, 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 and listen, listen. Hebrews 11, 31. It's not just men that we are heroes, by the way. Two women were mentioned. Sarah, the mother of many nations. But listen to verse, verse 31. By faith, the prostitute, Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. You know, in my Bible, I actually I steric the word prostitute. Because in this day and age, we are going to write the Bible. Let's be prostitute in the Bible. It doesn't, it's not going to add up. But somehow God allowed the word prostitute to be part of our introduction. She was a prostitute. That was her trade. But the point is not that God condones prostitution. But the point here is, no matter how low you are, no matter your condition, no matter who you are, God you anywhere and God can use anyone and anything to accomplish his purpose so your excuse and your state and the mistakes of yesterday I think I've done so many bad things even if a prostitute can make the hall of fame yes you can make the hall of fame this woman was one or twice in the bible go and read it even in Matthew her name was mentioned no matter how low it may be no matter how confusing it may be just step out and be the best that you can be no more excuses. And God wants us to remember that these people, and like Dr. Shula was saying, and I think I was discussing with my wife as well, some of these people, they died horrible deaths. But notwithstanding, they were determined that in plenty or in lack, no matter how, whether I have a certificate, I don't have a certificate, whether there is money or no money, I will use what I have, where I am, to glorify God. I will move outside the status quo and live by example. Oh, there are not too many good men in the world. There are not many good many women in the world. Be one. Be a good man. Be a good woman. Be a good husband. 
be a good wife, be romantic. Do something exciting with the gift of God in you. The gift of God in us will give us an advantage. Listen to this quote. We can be in our day what the heroes of faith were in their day. But remember, at the time, or at that time, they didn't know that they were heroes. Ah, let that sink in. They were doing what they are doing, not for accolades, or awards, or OBE. They were just being themselves. They were just using what they have to glorify God. We are the ones celebrating them as heroes. Why? Because God has planted them there. You know, if we were to write the Hall of Fame for the New Testament, there are so many names you can mention. Amen. But that little boy will make the Hall of Fame. Remember the boy I'm talking about? The one that gave his lunchbox. But actually, let's fast forward. If we were to write the Hall of Fame of Christians in Swansea, will your name be there? And in what capacity? Let's bow ahead as we pray. A call to remembrance. This is not a message to make you feel bad. This is not a message about guilt. But it's a message that everything that we need to live a good and a productive life. God has endowed us with so much potential. We can call on the faithfulness of God. We can call on the goodness of God. We can call on the creativity of God. We can call on the men and the women who has gone before us and they've done it. And say, Lord, help me to remember. And in remembrance, let your hand and your faithfulness in my life yesteryear, let it serve as a momentum. Let it propel me. I don't just want to be ordinary. But Lord, help me, that life-given momentum to make impact, to bring joy. Let me be a joy carrier. Everywhere I go, let that goodness of God radiate. I talk to people, let the grace of God proceed out. Every stigmatization, every depression, every negativity. You are a time waster. Go! Every time wasting facilities in our system, pull out so that we can be all that God wants us to be. Why not pray in the name of Jesus? Perhaps you are going through one difficulty or the other. God is faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's done it in the past. He's still doing it. And he continues to do good things. Father, we thank you. Father, we bless you. Thank you. Because we will remember. We will never forget. We will always remember how you helped us yesterday. We will always remember how you helped the heroes of faith. We will always remember how you continue to walk in our life. How you continue to use us true and true for your purpose. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, we pray. Thank you for your word. What a wonderful word you brought our way this afternoon. Perhaps there's somebody watching online. There's somebody here. You haven't met the Lord or oh, Jesus, your Lord and personal Savior. There is a call this morning. Why not just pray and say, Father, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Take charge. And let the best of you spring out through me. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we pray for your sons and your daughters. That this world will not just excite us. But will step into that which you made us to be. And Lord, we will live a better life and a more productive and impactful life. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.